the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. This is Rob Black and your money. And I might sound a little bit different. I am actually Tony Mendez. I am sitting in for Rob while he is sick. Thanks for joining us today. I do a Thursday night show called The Real Estate Report. A lot of you will uh, um, know me. I do a lot of Friday appearances on Rob's show. And you may have known me for the last 10 years that I've been a guest of Rob's on many of his radio shows that he has done. He's sick today, so that's kind of unfortunate, but, you know, it happens to everybody, uh, and hopefully we will see him soon. So you can always call the show. Uh, We're going to talk about real estate today, at least for the first hour, 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220, and you're always welcome to email me if you want to get your questions on the show, Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. So some of the topics that we're going to hit, and one of the reasons Rob has me on the show all the time talking about real estate is it really does fit into your portfolio and long-term goals leading to retirement. So we're going to definitely hit some aspects of that and how real estate fits into your retirement plan. Things like, or should you cash out of your house? Should you refinance your property going into retirement? A lot of people have questions about this. A lot of people make decisions about going into real estate without even talking to a financial planner. Meanwhile, they might have a CFP, which helps them with taxes, but not a financial planner. Um, a lot of financial planners, especially in the upper end, will you know set a limit on how much assets that you need. Well, let's say you're going to cash out of your house. Maybe you have four, five, six hundred thousand dollars in equity in that house. Plan on selling it with a five hundred thousand dollar capital gains exemption for you and your spouse. What are you going to do with it? Um, unfortunately, a lot of people still make the mistake by going straight to a loan officer or a realtor and saying, "Hey, what do I do with this money?" In fact, we had a caller last night on my show who said, "I just cashed out of my house." I have $500,000. What should I do with it? Should I buy more property or should I um, and jump back into the market while it's high or should I put my money in the stock market, what, by the way, is also at an all-time high? What do I do? I think people need to be more involved with uh, when real estate is concerned in any of the transactions with a CFP uh, so that you can get the right answers that will achieve your long-term goals. That's the first thing and kind of disclosure I want to say about how real estate fits into your 
your whole plan. So a lot of news out there about real estate, uh, even though it's kind of going sideways, not sideways, but it's on cruise control. Home prices are going up. There's not a lot of inventory. This is kind of nationally as well. Uh, there's a little bit of slowdown right now in appreciation nationwide. We saw 4.8% year over year earlier this year and then just recently reports at 3.6, I believe, or 3.7 year over year. So it's slowing down a little bit. Rents are also slowing down. This is another topic we'll hit today. Um, nationally here in the Bay Area, we've seen that drop as well. Um, Fed rate increase. We just had our unemployment numbers showing at 4.9% holding steady. That kind of renews the talks about the Fed possibly increasing interest rates this year. I don't think they're going to do it. If they do, I don't think it's going to hurt mortgage rates. A lot of people are concerned about that, but I think it definitely will hurt equity rates. If you have an equity line or you're thinking about getting an equity line, that's tied towards prime, and prime will go up when the Fed raises their interest rates, hopefully, or it should, which means your payments will be higher. It makes a lot of people wonder if they do take cash out of the house. Should they do a total refinance or should they get an equity line? Start thinking about that when you're looking at an equity line. With that said, 30-year fixed rates are super low right now. Uh, It's pretty tempting to look at Freddie Mac's weekly survey and see the 30-year fixed at 3.43%, which is down a little bit from last week, and the 15-year fixed at 2.74 and the 5-year arm at 2.73%. Should you go into retirement with a 15-year and pay off your house early? Or should you do that when you're 45 or 50 years old so that by the time you retire, the house is paid off? These are difficult questions a lot of people are going to run across when they get to that point. Or should they go and extend out their term 30-year fix because they have a fixed income in retirement, a pension or Social Security or a combination of that and maybe some dividends and some IRA contribu- or distributions? Uh, does the 30-year make f- sense because you have a fixed income? Also, can you refinance once you retire? A lot of people wait too long. They retire. They say, well, all I have is Social Security. All I have is a small pension and maybe some ret- other dividends that are are adding up to a small amount, which you can't re- you can't refinance on that. So you have to be really kind of concerned about this as you get closer to retirement. Um, so the rates are pretty much at the lowest we've seen them. They're about 10 basis points off of the all-time lows. Remember, these are Freddie Mac weekly survey rates. These are conforming rates for anything below 417,000. For the most people listening to the show, that's for their counties, immediate Bay Area counties. So they're, basically the rates have moved sideways since Brexit. Um, and following normal market conditions, I don't fear any concerns about the stock market going up too much or any news about a rate hike because there's still a lot of global influence in where money is going, especially in the treasuries and bonds, keeping the 10-year yield down. It's 1.535% right now. Um, I expect that to keep rates in the mid-threes for a long period of time as long as we watch that 10-year yield kind of go sideways. Um, with that said, let's kind of get right into one of our topics. And what are the concerning things out there that I've run across over the last few years, as, especially when, when I bought my house in 2000, my first house back in, I think it was 2001. Uh, homeownership was, the homeownership rate in the United States was somewhere around 65%. And then it peaked in 2005 at 695 but it's steadily been coming back down to all-time lows of 62.9%, which we just saw in the second quarter of 2016, according to Census Bureau. Um, it's been coming down, and it, it's it's kind of troublesome. Uh, you know, we know tough mortgage rules have hurt people's ability to buy, but even 
before the Dodd-Frank rules, which started in 2010 and lasted for about five years. In fact, at the end of 2015, we had one of their last rules just kind of it was enacted, the TRID, uh, Truth in Lending RESPA Integrated Disclosure Act, which, you know, kind of put another bone in the whole situation. But these rules are were meant to help improve the quality of the buyers. And uh, and we but we were seeing a lot of people falling out of their houses and losing to investors and cash buyers even before we had these tough rules. So declining values, job losses, arms that were adjusting to higher rates uh, with higher payments. And, of course, there was a lot of speculation. All of this was happening at the same time, not to mention that lenders were doing some crazy things like telling borrowers to pay a, make a late payment so that we'll consider you for a loan modification, which a lot of people thought were, was criminal. Um, but the tough rules, and it caused a lot of people to become renters. And many of these renters now have housing events. A housing event could be anything from a foreclosure to a short sale, bankruptcy. And they have this on their credit, which hurt their ability to rebuy in 2013, 2014, when homes were priced relatively low. Meanwhile, home prices accelerated during that time at a fast pace. And many buyers, including the ones with housing events, they want to get back into the housing market. But before we knew it, a lot of investors came back. They bought up. A lot of cash buyers came. Bidding wars started. Over-asking price pushed prices even higher. It put a lot of these new and repeat buyers in a position where they couldn't save enough down payment fast enough to keep up with home prices. Much of this had to do with rising rents and other debt that they had, and they were competing against multiple buyers. So looking back at what happened, some would say that home ownership could go back to these levels and that it's normal. I personally don't think it's normal. I think we should have it a little bit higher. There's plenty of programs out there for people to get into homes. Uh, but places like the Bay Area, you know, it concerns me that not a, not a lot of new homes are being built. And there's a lot of rules like Prop 58, a parent-to-child transfer, uh, that allow people to stay in these, uh, and Prop 13, which keeps your tax bases. A lot of people can't afford to move. So where's the inventory going to come from in a place like the Bay Area where somebody can get back into home ownership? Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that because I think that a lot of people are missing opportunities to get into real estate when they have a down payment here that doesn't quite fit the barrier prices, but it might fit Sacramento prices or Reno prices or Phoenix, San Antonio, and so on. We'll come back. This is Rob Black and your money, Tony Mendez, sitting in. We'll come back after this break here on AM 1220 KDOW. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Just thought to bring you back. Hope when you get home today, you go back and look at the pictures from you in the 80s. Kinda, I do that every once in a while, and it's like, oh, what was I thinking? Anyways. I'm Tony Mendez. I'm sitting in for Rob Black. This is Rob Black and Your Money Show. We're touching on real estate. There's plenty of stories out there. A lot of people are thinking about whether or not we're going to have a rate hike in 2016. Some of the other stories, Fannie Mae is showing some massive profits. Why aren't we getting any of that? I, don't, I can't answer that. Billions of dollars, $2.9 billion. Mortgage applications, be surprised, they're actually dropping even though interest rates are still near um, – all-time lows. Freddie Mac's outlook for the economies that says Brexit will have lasting impact on mortgage rates um, and that they'll stay low. Um, 
But that's easing a little bit. So as we saw with uh, some of the talks about the rate hikes from Fed Chairman from uh, Fed President Fed President from Chicago, he I think his name is Williams. He said that we're not as concerned with it anymore. It's easing a little bit. Existing home sales was increasing. Uh, lots of news out there. Um, it's kind of an interesting time for people to get into real estate and start thinking about how it fits into their portfolio. Pulling money from their house is one of the biggest topics that I hear all the time. Uh, and for those who are just kind of tuning in, this, I'm, my name's Tony Mendes. I'm the host of the Real Estate Report that you hear on Thursday nights here. I've been on a guest uh, appearances with Rob for many, many years, uh, in the last five or six years here on his show, and usually on Friday. So that's why you're hearing me today. He is homesick. Uh, if you want to get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220, we're going to talk real estate. And I think that it's important that people start thinking about how, uh, you know, real estate fits into their retirement. And pulling money out of their house, like I said, is one of the biggest questions I get recently. Um, first, the, the first and most important thing you don't do when you're thinking about taking money out of your house is to contact your loan officer. First, you have to decide on why you're taking it out. Um, you know, there's a lot of qualified people out there that can answer that question, but a lot fewer loan officers that are qualified to answer that. I don't like putting myself under the bus like that, but I don't want to. I had a guy last night call the show and said, I have $500,000 from uh, a sale of a property. What should I do with it? I don't know. Did you, have you talked to your CPA or your CFP? Um, no, not yet. Well, I think that would be your first step. A lot of people make decisions on taking money out of the house before really looking at how it's going to imp- impact them. And then if they don't, what do, what do they do? Should they refinance, to do what they call a total refinance, where they refinance their first loan and get some cash out, or they do an equity line and then don't touch their first loan? And, and, and you know, that's a really big question for a lot of people. It's a lot easier to make that decision now because equity lines, uh, their rates are a little higher today than the 30-year fix. So why would you get an equity line? Most people would say, well, I just simply can pay it back sooner. Why would I? Or... I'm going to borrow it in pieces. Why would I borrow it all at once and pay interest on it? So there's some things you want to consider. A lot of people may not be able to refinance it later down the road. They're doing it for home improvement or they're turning it into a rental, and that could influence their decision. Um, I think a lot of people don't factor in. I, I get way too many calls about people who have done a transaction and then not been able to refinance it later because they they didn't anticipate what the higher payment, arm rates, or a lot uh, – or retirement, things like that. These are definitely things that you want to think about. So anyways, meanwhile, home prices are kind of dropping uh, or slowing down in the in the nation. According to CoreLogic's home price index, month over month for May was down 1.1%. Uh, I'm sorry, it was only up 1.1%, and the year over year is 5.7 down from where we started the year at 6.9%. The top states, this, I think you'll find this interesting, with the highest year over year increases, Oregon, 10.9%. Washington, 10.3%, Colorado, 9.2%, and Nevada, 7.7%. These top four states are where most Californians are moving. So it's not a coincidence that Californians are finding it pretty expensive here in the Bay Area, and they're moving to places that have similar kind of jobs. Um, We know Oregon and Washington, Portland, and Seattle are two of the largest destinations for people to, um, number one, move to and number two a lot of people are still looking there i think it it was the top two choices for was it zillow or was it uh realtor.com one of them did a study and that's where the majority of people in the bay area are looking to buy it's interesting to note that the in a starting salary in the bay area for a uh, someone going into it is one hundred fifteen thousand. the home in order to 
to qualify for a home, you would have to spend 69% of your income to buy a average price home in the Bay Area with 20% down. In Portland or Seattle, the income is only about 10% less, so you're about 107, 108, but the home prices are 50% lower, and you'd only spend about 30% of your income to buy a house. So that's a pretty attractive um, scenario for a lot of people that are considering where they want to get a job. So maybe they come here, they rent a little bit, they get some good experience, maybe at the headquarters, and then maybe move off to one of these other places. And that's, I think, why we're seeing a lot of Californians move out. Again, going back to the whole scenario of of being expensive in the Bay Area, this is what's happening. Uh, and it's a lot of it's being driven by inventory. Um, higher end price range in the Bay Area is kind of stalled a little bit, dropping in some markets and staying on the market longer, uh, a little bit harder to sell. And what, what I find interesting is a lot of people are asking me, like a, the person that we talked about had $500,000 in equity. He wanted to know if he should get back in the market at a high. Well, it depends on where you're going. A lot of people are concerned that the higher end market is kind of slowing down, and it depends on why you're buying a house. Do you do, are you buying it for necessity? Are you buying it for appreciation or both? I think appreciation is a bonus. I think you buy a house for a necessity. But if you were to look at the median home prices in Alameda, San Mateo, and Santa Clara counties, Alameda, 778 median home price, Santa Clara, 1 million, San Mateo, 1.2 million. Um, but let's look at the incomes for Santa Clara. It's, uh, it's 93500 Dual income is 186000 that can afford a $1.2 million house. So Santa Clara is at $1 million, so there might be a little bit more room, okay, and maybe a couple hundred thousand to, to grow. Uh, remember, income is going, to, is going to dictate where our home prices end up, and we are starting to talk about that now because we're nearing another peak. Where does it go from there? A lot of realtors are talking about this, and, and it should be a concern. Alameda County, 778 is the median home price, but your dual income could be 146000 with 20% down. That buys a $900,000 house. Do you see more opportunity or more appreciation in Alameda County? Yeah, I do. I see it in Oakland. I see it in San Leandro. I see it in a lot of parts of Alameda County because the home price is a little bit cheaper. Now, you may be making some sacrifices uh, in neighborhood and and other amenities, but this is what it takes to get into a house. We have a whole other minute. Fantastic. Um, So you can see some of the areas are being uh, hitting their maxes. I wouldn't worry too much. Home prices, I don't believe, will go down. I think if if you if anything, I'd be worried that you're paying overpaying on a property over asking price, which we are seeing pull back a little bit. One of the realtors that I work with was quoted saying that this is a market where buyers are having more control than sellers. It's still a seller's market, but the sellers are giving up a little bit more control. The p- uh, buyers are being a little bit more picky on the type of house they're buying. I think it's because they may not be seeing that kind of appreciation, and they're really buying it for necessity, and I think that's the right way to buy a house. Um, Again, lots of stories out there to talk about. You're welcome to call the show, 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. I'm Tony Mendez. I host the Real Estate Report on Thursday nights. I'm sitting in for Rob while he is out sick. Everyone send him an email and say, I'm so sad you are sick. I'm so sad you are sick. You can email him, rob at robblack.com. You can also visit his website, robblackshow.com. And we will be right back here on AM 1220 KDOW with Rob Black and your money.
Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDO. I'm a big fan of cast iron cookware. And I suppose in the last segment we are talking a little bit about uh, prenups and postnups. And I didn't really get my full thought out on that, and I, I would like to. And my thought is is that a prenup we see in TV shows, J.R. Ewing's got $100 billion of oil money, and he falls for a floozy and loses half of it. It doesn't have to be like that. A prenup could be a great chance for you to sit down with your loved one before you get married and talk about things on how you handle money. Talk about, you know, how comfortable you are. Are you a saver? Are you a spender? Um, and I usually say, start talking about that by using your parents' as examples. My dad was a spender. Um, and sadly, my mom wasn't a saver. My mom was someone who was forced into an allowance. She raised six kids, and my dad gave her an allowance. Um, you know, so he would fund the family account out of his account, uh, which is ridiculous. But then again, maybe that's what worked for him. You know, I maybe I can't go out there and say for sure that I I know everything. So uh, having a prenup, like um, I like cast iron cookware, I really really do. Um, and I my mother gave me her iron frying pan for when she was a child, and I remember breaking up with a girl post college and. You know, this was the day and age where CDs rocked and rolled, and I probably had, we probably came into the relationship and started living together with probably 150 CDs each. And it turned into, and this is just horrible to say out loud, at the end, like, that's mine. No, no, that's mine. Um, and it doesn't need to be like that. So it's just, and a prenup, like, I guess... I guess if I were to move in with someone at age 20 now and I had a large CD collection, I'd, I'd put my names on it kind of thing, just in case it doesn't work out. But a prenup could be a lot of things. And like I said, uh, maybe you're going to decide, like, hey, I want you to stay at home and make babies. And I know that entitles you to 50% of what I earn. And, like, I'm really good with that. And uh, if things don't work out, you know, I'm going to split the 401k. Like California, it's pretty tough to screw someone over unless someone's stupid enough to say, go ahead, screw me over. Um, that's why divorce mediation works way much better in California than a divorce attorney. Um, if your spouse cheats on you with the, you know, the hottie at work, doesn't mean you get more money. It just means you're angry and doesn't mean you get more. So I wouldn't, you know, rack that up. But Divorce attorneys were probably like, you know, throwing their Egg McMuffin at the, the radio right now going, no, 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 no. Um, there's special circumstances. And that's right. It's a special circumstance. So just throwing that out there for you. So prenups, postnups, I don't think should be a bad thing. And it just tells me, again, if you can't talk about money, then you shouldn't be getting married. Because that's one of the basics that you're going to have to talk about in your life. So... One thing that I, I do say once you are married is, you know, you're going to have to start cutting back on your lifestyle. You've got a great thing. You've got two salaries sometimes, then you start sharing rent or you start sharing, you know, a mortgage. Some people I know just stay with one car and that's great. You know, a gym membership for two might be cheaper than a gym membership for one. 
Um, but there's a lot of ways that, you know, when you're young and in the first five years of your marriage, you know, the passion should be pretty good. You probably don't need cable TV. If you're sitting at home watching cable TV and you're newly married, and uh, the passion's not good and there's a problem there. So try to cut down on your entertainment expenses. You know, later in life you'll want to do more entertainment. I get it. So stay at home and cook. Watch the movie Ghost, and if that doesn't make you all romantic and great googly to moogly to and bubbly and stuff like that, um, I don't know what will. I think once you're married, you now have an obligation to look at that other person and say things like, you know, I used to get a lot of Starbucks. I used to, you know, go out to lunch every day. And maybe I'm going to, you know, cut back a little bit, start saving a little bit more money so we could accomplish some goals together. So, you know, the wedding, the wedding's expensive, the honeymoon's expensive, children are expensive, uh, new furniture when you get a new house, new furniture when you get a new apartment is expensive. If it's one person taking care of another person where, let's just say it's the husband has the job and the wife decides to get pregnant and... Uh, or the two of them decide to get pregnant, she gets pregnant, he may not realize that, you know, his health care costs are going to go up at work because it's no longer one person claiming health care. It's two and three. So know that. Hopefully before you have children, you can talk about issues along the lines of toys and clothes and furniture and education. Uh, for me, a, a private high school is much, much more important than a private elementary school. Um, to me, plastic toys that are cheap have no value. And just because the kid wants it, I'd rather teach, you know, let's, let's go for quality in life and let's not go for quantity. So, um, I think, uh, what I'm trying to get at is as a family now, as a married couple, can you both be mature enough to decide on what you need and how much you can spend on it before you actually go out and shop? I think married couples should try to use a shopping list within reason. Um, and again, I think it's fine for you to have slightly separate bank accounts where if she wants to buy lingerie or shoes or, uh, I don't know, I was going to say cocaine, but that's not funny. If she wants to buy lingerie, shoes, or uh, get her nails done and the guy rolls his eyes like, why don't you do your own nails? And uh, but he wants to buy video games and Nikes and, you know, he's got his things. I have no problem with a slightly separate budget where you're both allowing each other $400 in whims or something like that. But you're going to fight if you don't figure this out. And fighting leads to divorce and divorce is expensive. And the wedding was expensive. The honeymoon was expensive. Um, just throwing it out there. So I think credit is something that very early in the marriage is something you're going to want to look at as well. Uh, use credit only when it's necessary, when you're starting out. You may have that temptation to be sexy because my husband's so handsome. Um, or my wife is so pretty, I want to bring her, you know, roses every Friday. But if it's not in your budget, it's not in your budget. And you don't use credit cards to, you know, power that love. It's the power of love, um, in my opinion. You know, there are some perks like Spotify and Apple Music. You know, family accounts are cheaper than individual accounts. So look for things like that, but don't use credit or use credit only when it's necessary or use credit like I do and pay it off every month and get the perks. Um, right now, I've got some like 20,000 travel miles. Um, so I can go on a hell of a good trip 
So um, I've also gotten in the last three or four years probably about eight nine thousand dollars back just for getting that two percent back, um, and I haven't paid one credit interest charge at all. So one of the things you could try to do to be successful as a marriage when it comes to money issues is try to understand, you know, is your partner impatient, i.e. they want it right now. If you can get last year's video game system, it's going to be cheaper than this year's video game system. If you can get a two-year-old car versus a brand new car, it's going to be a lot cheaper. And you're going to be able to buy a lot more and save a lot more. But you need to find out, is your partner impatient? Is your partner an impulse buyer? Does your partner get into debt? My dad died with debt. Um, I didn't know about it until essentially he died, to be quite honest with you. And my dad kept his bills on his desk, and um, he had credit cards, and no one really looked and looked at his mail, so kind of thing. So you're looking for someone that matches up with you. Um, I know a couple right now that they married in their mid-30s, and... It was a first marriage for both, but she left a, she was a pretty highfalutin type. And she left a fiancé for this guy who was fun and loving and sweet. And then she found out, after they're married, um, that he's got about $150,000 of IRS problems. And this was eight years ago, and they make a kid, and slowly but surely, I, I think that money got paid down from her career and from some of her money coming into the marriage because the IRS doesn't go away but then he once was kind of a guy who worked at one of the old tech companies you know think something like a Yahoo or an Exodus or an Excite um, a Pets.com a web van so he's up getting up there in age now and he's not quite the same tech worker that he used to be tech companies want young tech workers these days not mid 40 somethings uh, they're cheaper, they have less health care, but they also have better skills, typically. So guess what happens? He starts his own company, and they're both excited about it, and he hasn't earned money in seven out of eight years with his company. And they've got two kids, and I don't know if they're heading for a divorce. I don't know if they're heading for a split. I don't know if they're going to win the lottery. But I can tell you that you know something as simple as not being able to sit down and plan with each other and not knowing you know, their whole financial truth. I've said this before. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Not a sexual reference, but a reference to credit reports. And maybe even past taxes would be a pretty good idea. Or if you don't want to do past taxes, how about your Social Security? Go to ssa.gov, and you could show the person what you've made each year since you were 16 years old. Um, anyway, love and marriage, it's fun, right? You can find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now. Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. We're talking weddings. We're talking marriage. When it comes to wedding gifts, let's talk about that for uno momentero. Uh, money counts. Gifts counts. 
I say stick with the registry, um, but when you're putting together your registry, for the love of whoever, don't put a spork on it. Half spoon, half fork, don't get that kind of desperate. The average wedding guest is going to spend $127 on a gift for a family member and about $100 for a gift or a friend. Um, Weddings are expensive. I mean, it's expensive all the way around. It's expensive to be the dad, the mother, the, the, the two people who get married. It's expensive to be the guest. Um, but some things that you don't want to give, um, or some thoughts first and foremost, is 37% of couples prefer gifts from a registry, followed by cash, 31%, gift cards, 13%. Just 5% want a gift that's not on the registry. Um, and if you do insist on going off registry, please, please get a gift receipt. But never, ever get a married couple a pet. Uh, for Jim and Pam's wedding on the office, Dwight gave the couple a turtle. Uh, gave the couple turtle boiling pots and turtle bibs to go along with live turtles. Uh, now, the turtles escaped, which was thankful, but, you know, that's a sitcom. It's not reality, but some people, are, they are like, they do try to come up with, let's get someone a new pet. They're an animal-loving couple. Um, don't get them anything monogrammed. Uh, it's tacky. I think monograms on initials on guys' shirts. If I were a woman, that would eliminate him from being a, a husband or a father candidate right there. I think someone is, is they're mentally ill if they initial, if they monogram their initials on their shirts. Um, don't get anything for, you know, monogrammed towels or anything. Don't get his, don't get her, don't get M for Mary, don't get F for Frankie, don't do it. If you want to stay away from gifts that are branded with his or hers or his and his or hers and hers, couples have started their life together at their wedding ceremony, but it doesn't not need to be represented with shirts and bedding. So I think it's, again, what incredibly tacky. Try not to get anything traditional. Um, I think China, Crystal... Some of these tried and true forever items, unless the couple really, really wants them. Um, I know that it's tradition in a lot of people's world, but crystal and china and such takes storage space. And for a lot of people, they're not in their forever home yet. So trying to get them nice crystal that goes into a condo or an apartment just seems kind of stretched. Um until they divorce, and then they'll fight over who gets the gravy pot, right? Try not to get a young couple or married couple exercise equipment. Um, your intentions may be misconstrued. The bride has worked her butt off to get into that dress, and then suddenly you're giving them, you know, workout equipment. She'll she'll be offended. But on top of it, exercise equipment takes up space. Unless they're moving to that jumbo home that's got the jumbo basement, and they specifically want exercise equipment in their jumbo basement, uh, not a good idea. I like the food-related. I like the kitchen items on the registry. Uh, if you want to put together a healthy, nutritious gift basket by choosing some of the few gift items tied towards the kitchen, pairing it with some non-perishable healthy food items, great, lovely. But don't project what you want on them. Uh, self-help books, I think, are just dumb things to give as wedding gifts. I like ex- exercise equipment. The gifting of self-help books could have good intentions, but 
you know, focus on the experiences that they want to share together. Um, if the comp- couple lives in Portland or Seattle or uh, San Francisco, if you want, try to find something cool that they could do together, like a cooking class or a painting class or a couple's massage class. Um, but trying to impose what you love on them is not a good idea. And obviously home decor. So um, I'm not an Elvis on Velvet kind of guy, but someone is out there. And last thing I want is Elvis on Velvet. I'll take the dogs playing poker. I don't know where I'll put it, but I'll take it. Uh, a friend of mine loves the Golden Gate Bridge, and many years ago I made a mistake of giving him basically a $4,000, $5,000 painting. It's a pretty nice painting, um, and it's probably worth about 20000 now. So I gave him a good investment, but the painting had no place in his, his house, and he got rid of it. And I was like, oh, you're killing me. You should have offered it back to me kind of thing. But he came from overseas, and he was all about uh, all about that, uh, not that base, but he was all about that, uh, you know, I grew up in Europe, and the Golden Gate Bridge represents something amazing to me, and... I know a painter who did a nice piece, and I, I thought I'd share. It was just a bad idea, because it just didn't fit. So, anyway. Um, houses and homes, we'll talk about that probably later. Because, you know, settle down. You just spent a ton of money on a wedding. You spent a ton of money falling in love and uh, flying around the world, going to Mexico, going to raves in New York. Um you spent money on diamonds and such. Wait on the house and wait on the career. The career will tell you when to buy a house, not the year of marriage. Although some people, you know, get married at 32 and the biological clock says, I want a baby by 35. So know that that might come in. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I want you to live large and I want you to do tune-ups though on your finances. Um, and living large could be a lot of things, entertaining with no cash, uh, keeping up with yourself, not the Joneses, um, keeping family expectations and expenses at bay so you can carve out time for each other, uh, cooking light, I think is always a good idea. Um, a lot of people are in that impress each other phase early on. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You should be that I'm impressing you with saving 15% of my salary phase, in my opinion. We're talking love and marriage. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.